This is the EWN Podcast Network. Everybody wants to win. It's how we define success in life. Michelle Nagel explores resilience, teaches you happiness hacks, and provides tools for building positive relationships, all of which are essential for winning at the game of life. Join us to learn how to roar. Hi, this is Michelle Nagel. Welcome to Roar to Win. And today I have a really excellent guest for you. Um, it's Elaine Williams, and she has a program called Captivate the Crowd. And she's a speaker, a stand-up comedian. She's an, she's an award-winning stand-up comedian, too. She's just an awesome lady. She's appeared on Saturday Night Live, America's Got, America's Got Talent, HBO, ABC, NBC, and Fox TV. She's shared the stage with Amy Schumer, opened for Dane Cook, been featured in the New York Times and on Hay House Radio, and is a blogger for the Huffington Post. More importantly, her students and clients have had success like this, too. Elaine combines her coaching certifications from the late Debbie Ford and JFK University with her 40-plus years of performing in theater, film, TV, voiceover, radio, and stand-up comedy to transform her clients into captivating speakers. She shows conscious business owners how to be authentic, engaging, and credible on camera and when speaking live. Elaine helps her clients find their stories and craft them into magical moments of connection, which is the cornerstone of her work. In her speaker program, Captivate the Crowd and Camera, and with her VIP clients, she shows people how to truly connect with their audience first, which is how they stand out above the noise of the marketplace. And I could go on because you would not believe the credentials of this woman. This is just astonishing. So welcome, Elaine. Thank you, Michelle. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to connect with you today. I'm so pleased that you are here. So uh, we're talking about ROAR, uh, resilience, optimism, accountability, and resourcefulness. And which one of those resonated most with you? Well, I... I love that. First of all, I just love the acronym. I love roar, you know, owning your power and the accountability spoke to me. And, um, you know, if I had a second choice resourcefulness, but, but let's focus on accountability first, I guess. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> yeah. And I love how you keep, you keep actually roaring like that. You just, because it does, it brings up that tremendous energy and that's, uh, I just, I'm so excited because I was just asked, I was just invited to speak at TEDx. And That's great. Yes, I'm so excited. And I'm trying to figure out if I can get away with having the audience stand up and roar just so they can feel the power and energy that that gives just from doing that kind of a thing, which may seem kind of silly, but it does. And also then actually um, embracing those, those traits. So, um, so tell us about your coaching philosophy and background. I love it. Um, so I am very clear that if I hadn't had coaches and mentors in my life, I would probably be dead. So I'm a huge, huge fan of, of coaches. And um, you know, I came from a kind of a crazy, dysfunctional family in Texas, but I always had angels, mentors, teachers, coaches around me to help me navigate through a pretty crazy childhood and, and my 20s. So I'm just a huge fan. And you know, Debbie Ford used to say, nobody gets to the Olympics without a coach. So why would you want to live your best life without a coach? Because we all have blind spots, you know, right. and, mm -hmm. and, um, you know, it's like kind of like I say, when you're working on your speaking, you can work on it yourself, but it's kind of like cutting the back of your own hair. Like you can do it, 
but it's probably not going to look great. And then you're going to have to pay somebody to clean up your mistakes. So yes. <laughs> it's more productive. And, and I know whenever I've like resisted getting help, I usually waste a lot of time and money had I gone ahead and found the right coach. So I'm just a huge fan of um, coaching in general. And, and, and when the right coach with the right person, it's amazing what can happen. Mm -hmm. So, um, and, and a good coach helps you, helps hold you accountable. It's like some coaches don't do that, but I, I think it's so important to have somebody to check in with because we all have those, what I call like those little wiggle things. Like I will get up, I will, I will work out no matter what. I will jog 10 miles, but you want me to sit down and learn something new on the computer? Ah, you know, uh -huh. so I just think it's always great to have somebody helping hold you accountable for the things you know you don't enjoy doing or that you resist. Yeah, that's really important. So what made you decide to become a coach? Well, I was, um, I was in New York City. I, I had done leadership coaching in Texas with Landmark Education. And then I moved to New York City and got sober all at the same time. And I had been a coach with Landmark. And my friend kept saying, you've got to work with Debbie Ford. And I was so busy auditioning, doing commercials and running around the city. And finally, I had a one-day experience with Debbie at Omega. And she does a lot of emotional um, intelligence stuff and emotional releasing. And I wept the entire day. And I had no idea that I even had so much turmoil inside of me. That's how like not connected I was. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't know what just happened, but I got to do more of this. And I just fell in love with her processes. And so I did her mastery, her essentials, and her spiritual divorce work. There was about five years of intense training with her. And she came to see my comedy show. She came to um, one of the places where I worked in New York City. Um, I was at her house. So it was, it was really an honor to get to work so closely with her. And I just see over and over again how coaching can transform lives. Mm -hmm. um, it's just, I just think it's such a great um, vehicle. And, and I mean, I still love live events. They're awesome too. But what I love about coaching is you're with this person in their life. Mm -hmm. Because how many times have we gone to an event and it's amazing. And then five days later, we're like, what? Where was I? I don't remember, you know? Right. And so one of the things I love about coaching, it's like you're in that daily, okay, well, let's see what happens when you're in your daily thing in your life and you're trying to shift behavior and shift thought patterns and or work on new skills. Like to me, it's just, and it's a sacred space, mm -hmm. you know, to have somebody trust you and, and to bring all their stuff to you. To me, I feel like I just have, I hold the container and I, I allow them to do the work and I make it safe. And, you know, that's how I kind of view a lot of it is they have to do the own work, you know? Right. Yeah. So I, I think it's very interesting. I picked up on a couple of things that you said. You said that uh, you had gone to the Debbie Ford um, seminar and you didn't realize how disconnected that you were from yourself. And you also used the words got sober. And so, are you were not aware that that was why you were having substance issues? Well, I had been, I had done, I had done landmark education in November 97 and mm -hmm. I had my first like spiritual awakening aha. And I was able to forgive my stepmother, my father who had done a lot of really not great things. My anger was justified, but I saw that it was killing me. You know, there was, uh -huh. it was hurting me. Right. And so 
and then I had, so at that point I was still, um, using alcohol, but I didn't, I had stopped doing drugs and being bulimic because I had three addictions. And then when I moved to New York in 2000, I stopped drinking. So I was newly sober. So I'd been sober for a couple of years, but there's still so much to process, especially if you've had trauma, like assault, molestation. Right. Like there was just so much trauma that I was still processing, you know? And right. um, so I had done some work, but you know, there's always more. So that's, mm -hmm. you know, I guess, um, you know, I was re ready at that point to do more when I right. met her. Okay. And so you said that you resonated then with the accountability. So how did accountability play into your life? Well, um, it's interesting because I wish it had played more into my life earlier. <laughs> um, you know, we have, we have our conscious brain and then we have the unconscious part of us that's driving the ship right. a lot of times. And I unconsciously would pick um, sponsors in AA who were really not available, who were super busy. Uh -huh. And so that was one way um, I wasn't like, you know, there's, it's a whole process. Like you're supposed to go to meetings and not drink. And, and then there are these steps that are suggested, but they're strongly suggested. And even, and it's a lot of the, you know, like owning your part in things, cleaning up with people, seeing your patterns, seeing your old, what they call defects, things that you use to survive your family that no longer serve you. Uh -huh. And um, so I would, I mean, I was sort of getting the program and doing all the right stuff, but I could have been doing more, but I wasn't ready for whatever reason and it was just interesting because I kept picking sponsors who weren't available and then luckily that started shifting mm -hmm. um, but I really you know I feel like I every year I got a little bit more and a little bit more but um, you know I just think there's such, something so fabulous about having people who really want the best for you and stand for you to help hold you accountable to do the things you say you're committed that you want mm -hmm. that might scare you, you know? Right. Or, or like, um, I was just laughing because I reconnected with my comedy writing buddy and um, we met in New York City. We're both from Texas. We lived in the same women's dorm, but at different times. We worked at the same place on 6th Street in Austin. Like, we were just, and um, so, and I'm a really great performer and she's a really great writer. So we were like a great team. And then she moved to San Francisco and we have recently reconnected and we've been doing these zoom calls every Sunday night. And I love the accountability because mm -hmm. it's so easy to be like, Oh, it's just my comedy. You know, that's just like for fun right now. And it's so, even though it brings me so much joy and I love it so much and I help other people add humor to their talks, but it's so easy to dismiss that piece of my life, even though it's a huge piece. And because I have this accountability buddy, I have to write every week or I'm going to let her down. Mm -hmm. And so I just really get that there's such a gift in the structure of, of having an accountability buddy, you know, around what you're working on. So we have this, um, you know, Sunday night call and it's, and it's awesome. And, and even if, you know, we usually she writes all the time and I write some and then we sort of like hash it out and we talk about comedy and we're usually cracking up 15 minutes in it. Like she's so funny and it's just such a joy. And mm -hmm. I feel like that's a great example of 
how accountability can really serve you. Mm -hmm. um, is it always necessary to have an accountability partner? Can you just be accountable to yourself? Yes, absolutely. And I know several coaches that is their main focus of supporting people and keep honoring the promises that they make to themselves. Mm -hmm. Because I know for me, I will swim five miles for other people and sometimes I will not always honor the promises that I've made to myself. Yes. And, and I think that's a very human thing. Mm -hmm. And um, I think, you know, we have to learn to be careful with our words mm -hmm. and make sure that we're promising things that we're really committed to, whatever. Yes, I think, I think some people really can be accountable to themselves. I think it's really hard for a lot of people. I agree with you. I've, um, in my own life, sometimes it's, I, I agree with you that I will do anything for anybody else. If I've made a commitment to somebody else, I will do it. But if I make a commitment to myself, I can make all sorts of excuses as to why it can't happen. I don't have time or whatever. And what do you suppose happens? I know what happens to me, but I want to get your point on this. So what do you suppose happens to an individual when they constantly don't follow through on their promises to themselves? Oh, it's debilitating. And it's, it's, I feel like it's like an erosion. It's like this subtle but powerful force. Mm-hmm. And it, it reminds me, um, you know, if someone has a drinking problem, a lot of times you're saying like, okay, I'm not going to drink tonight, but you don't even want to say it out loud in case you can't not drink, you know, and it's, it's, a, it's so it completely undermines any sort of self-trust. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I know that to me, that's been one of the biggest gifts of sobriety is being able to trust myself mm -hmm. and, you know, being on stage telling jokes is high pressure, uh -huh. <laughs> high pressure. And so you have to be able to trust yourself and know, Oh, when I'm nervous, I get dingy. I need extra water. I need to not look at anything negative before I go on stage. You know, you, you learn, what do I do when I'm under pressure? And, and I'm so grateful that um, I've only done comedy sober and because I can't imagine, I mean, to me, that would just be a whole can of worms, you know. I mean, some people can drink, drink and it takes the edge off, but I, you know, it's, you really want to have all cylinders firing when you're performing so mm -hmm. that you can pick up on all the nuances. There's so much going on in the room. So, um, yes, I mean, self-trust is huge, so huge. So have you always been interested in accountability? No, no. Oh my gosh, no. I, you know, in, in my 20s, I was really lost mm -hmm. and um, hanging out with, you know, a lot of not right, not the right people. And, um, you know, it was a really dark time. And um, I, I'm so grateful to be reminded of that and reminded of the gift of my life now. And one of the, the other things I've learned from 12 Step is just like we show up for people. It's, it's really an amazing community of people mm -hmm. and, and it's, and we are accountable to each other. And I, I, it, I love it. It's such a gift. Well, why do you think being accountable is so important, especially now? Ah, <sighs> well, you know, I don't want to get political, but the news has been <laughs> the news, you know, whatever side you're on, it's, it's distressing. 
it's stressful. It's, um, it brings up a lot of darkness. And I think, I think that we, you know, is there a way to lovingly call people on their stuff? You know, can we be like tough love without bullying people? Mm-hmm. You know, um, and is there a way to, uh, you know, and, and it's so simple sometimes. Like I heard that there's some podcaster who talks about make your bed, like make your bed and that could change the world. Like sometimes mm-hmm. it's the littlest things that can shift. Right. Right. And um, like, this is, I have this house that's on a big curve on the way to garden state parkway and people throw their trash out all the time. And I used to get like so up in arms because in Texas you don't litter. People will beat you up. You do not litter. <laughs> don't mess with Texas. It's been one of the most successful litter campaigns anyway. And I used to get so upset and I was like, you know what? I'll take the trash. Like I'll be accountable. This is my house and people, if they feel the need to throw their stuff out, I can't control that, but I pick up the litter because it's, you know, it's like, okay, I'll take on this accountability. Um, I just feel like if, if everybody tried to be a little bit more responsible and own um, what they're doing with their life, like vote, like, you know, like it's so, that's why I love um, coaching and I love Landmark and I love AA because it helps you take responsibility for your, it's your life. It's our lives. So we need to hold ourselves accountable, and I think we can do it with love. Yeah, but what if it's everybody else's fault? Well, that's, <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's so funny. I guess I've really been immersed in um, AA recently, but, like, you know, when you look at your part of things, it can be nauseating to see, like, ah, I'm doing that old pattern again. But when you realize that you're the source of it, then you have the power to shift it, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, I guess I, I'm 50, and I, I feel like, wow, life starts going faster and faster, right? You yeah. start, and there's a whole science behind why that, that occurs. But, like, how much time do I want to spend focusing on things I can't control, right? Like, so what can I do? How can I make a difference in my community, in my life, with the people I touch? You know, and mm-hmm. right? And like, you can, we can make ourselves crazy about the system and this, and it's not fair. And I was certainly there last week some, but like, you know, I want to come from love and make a difference with love, light, laughter everywhere I go. So what can I do? That feels more empowering than screaming at the TV. <laughs> right, yes. And in interpersonal relationships, too, um, you know, accepting 100% responsibility for your behavior, your actions, and your thoughts is going to make it so that the relationship is so much better rather than saying that, you know, it's not my fault or you did this, you did that. I mean, some of the worst things that you can possibly say to somebody is you did. Right. Maybe they didn't. And, and, you know, it's just your perception of what it is you think exactly. they did. And right. We have these perceptions and our minds, our, our memory is not, it's very skewed, you know? Yes, it is. Yes. One of my favorite quotes in the whole world is by Rumi. And I'm, I'm probably paraphrasing it, but it's something like, somewhere out there beyond where there is right or wrong, I'll meet you there. Yeah. And I, I just get goosebumps because... Mm-hmm. Because, you know, when I did landmark training, it wasn't about what's right or wrong. It was about what works. 
Mm -hmm. what works, what has integrity, what works for everybody. Because right. blame, that's um, not the most productive vibration, right? Uh -huh. and, and, you know, and one thing I'm working on is I really notice that I'm an empath. I'm very sensitive. And so in the past, I have taken on, not only I take responsibility for my stuff, I'll take responsibility for yours and yours and yours and yours. Mm -hmm. And then I am like exhausted because I'm taking on other people's stuff. Right. And so I've been really working on, um, you know, working on protecting my energy because I am a giver. I love to give. But I have to, you know, find the balance. And I think that happens for a lot of people who are sensitive. Sometimes I think we take on other people's stuff too. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. I agree. Yes. Thank you very much. Right? Exactly what I do as well. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Take it off. Take it yeah. off. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's wonderful. Um, so we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back. Please come back and join us as we continue our um, interview with Elaine Williams and we shall see you in a minute. Have you ever asked yourself this question? Why is it so hard to make a buck? <laughs> I know I have. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. What I have discovered after going from the brink of bankruptcy to running a multi-million dollar award-winning business is this. You can't build a million dollar dream hanging around minimum wage mindsets. My mission is one million women entrepreneurs generating one million dollars in annual revenue. So here's what I've done. I've created the mother of all entrepreneur success programs that you can access online on your time. It's called Monetize Me Now. It's a seven-module online course that is 100% my success formula, covering mindset, mission, management, motivation, marketing, and measure. Come on, take my hand and I'll show you the way to learn to earn flowing revenue for your business. Visit monetizemenow.com for details. Welcome back. This is Michelle Nagel with Roar to Win. And we have today as our guest, Elaine Williams. And she is an award-winning stand-up comedian and speaker who has a tremendous list of credentials to her name. She also is a coach and she teaches conscious business owners how to be authentic, engaging, and credible on camera and when speaking live. And the thing I like best about her is that she is always optimistic and I have only once seen her without a smile on her face because she was crying, but she was smiling through that too. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's pretty awesome. So, um, so Elaine, we're talking about accountability and, um, and we had just been talking about blame, how, um, you know, we have a tendency to look at also powerlessness. You know, I can't do anything about that because so what part of our lives do we have control over? Well, it's, you know, it's so subtle. And, um, you know, it all starts with this. And, um, you know, we, we have control over our reaction, our response, and our perception. Um, another one of my favorite quotes that Debbie used to talk about, I think it was by Marcel Proust, was transformation really happens when it's the same environment, but you see it with new eyes. Mm -hmm. 
And I, and I love that, you know, is this an opportunity for growth or is this a pain in your butt? <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. And, um, and so I, I mean, I, it's so funny, like the older I get, I feel like things do become a little more simple and the road becomes a tiny bit more narrow, but there's nothing like, um, habits to help you, um, be at your highest vibration. Right. So mm -hmm. for me, I like to get up early. I like to go spin in the mornings. I go to my meditation meeting or I'll do yoga. That's how I like to wake up because, um, it just helps me be more in the zone. That's why I teach my students about warming up because mm -hmm. we all have those days where you're like, you want me to perform? You want me to be funny or entertaining? Oh, really? You know, like, and so I've trained my body to do this um, breath and vocal warm-ups, all these things, but five minutes of that, and I, my body's like, okay, we're on, let's go. Mm -hmm. And, um, and you know, not every day is going to be like 110%. It's like they say everybody has a yoga practice. They don't say a yoga perfect. It's your yoga <laughs> practice, right? Yes. Like you bring yourself to the mat how you are. And mm -hmm. some days my lower back is like, oh, right? Mm -hmm. And some days I'm like, my balance can be really amazing. And the next day I'm like, whoa, you know, it's, we're human. Mm -hmm. But how can we bring our best self forward every day? And for me, some of it comes down to habits. Mm -hmm. Okay, wonderful. So um, how does the accountability relate to those habits? That's great. So um, I have an accountability buddy. I mean, I have, I, have, I have quite a few people because what I've noticed is my bra our brains are so brilliant and our brains are designed to keep us safe for survival. That's why we have that voice that's like, ooh, maybe you better not go do comedy in front of those people. They might not like you or, ooh, you don't, you're not good at that. Don't, you know, you want to do TEDx, but no, you just, you just stay here in your little thing, right? And so our brains can be really tricky. Like I notice that I will make like five sales calls and then my brain will be like, you really need to go clean out the garage or <laughs> you, you should go rake leaves or like, and in that moment, it really seems like an important valid task I should be doing. Mm -hmm. And so I, and I've been catching myself and it's sort of horrifying and kind of funny of just like how my brain will like be like, Oh, we took, we, we got out of the comfort zone and we're back. Mm -hmm. Like I just keep seeing how like I'll, I'll expand myself. And then I'm like, Oh, I got to go clean. Really Elaine? You know, like, so I feel like when we're, you know, if you know that about yourself, it's good to catch yourself and then hopefully have an accountability buddy to help you so that you can say, you know what? I did my five calls and then my brain was telling me da, 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 and then I realized, no, I'm going to do five more or, you know, whatever. So I think one thing accountability can be so helpful with is like helping you stay stretched or let's say you did the five calls and you got like five rejections or something that can really feel yucky. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. But to me, if you are working with somebody, a coach, accountability buddy, they can help you process that because the last thing you want to do is take the yuck into the next thing. And then it's like a vicious cycle of yuck possibly. And so, you know, you can process like what happened or what you can do better and then shake it off. Like get the lesson, 
and then let go of the stuff, right? Yes. And so to me, that's part of another reason accountability is so awesome. And how many times have we done that? We're like, we have these runaway days as entrepreneurs, you know, like Saturday, I was like doing stuff. I was working out. I was doing all this stuff. My handyman was like, I can come over. So I like raced back from yoga. And before I knew it, it was like nine o'clock at night. And I mean, I got some stuff done, but it just felt like this sort of like runaway train. Mm-hmm. And I think that's another reason accountability can help you stop. Wait, is this the most important priority right now? Do you really need to go rake your leaves? That's true. But how do you how do you uh, work around the fact that you really do have to eventually go rake your leaves? So, <laughs> you know, how do you how do you determine how much time to spend on a task and how much time that you spend on another task? That's because great. they both need to be done. Right. Well, I noticed for me, I am a morning person. So anything that's technical or writing or something that I really need a lot of focus, mm-hmm. I do. I try to schedule that in the morning when mm-hmm. I'm freshest. Okay. And then I notice that um, I can keep calling and coaching or teaching. And then usually five or six, I need some kind of physical break. Mm-hmm. So that's when I try to go do something physical if I just need a, to move my body. And, you know, it's been a while since I worked out and I still have stuff I want to do. So that, that has taken me two years to realize that that's helpful for me. Mm-hmm. And then if I go rake or sometimes I'll go do a yoga class or just go for a walk, then I can come back and, and kind of refocus and get a little bit more work done. Um, but yeah, I've learned like, you know, if I'm going to fold laundry, that can be later in the day when I'm tired. You know, like right. I'm going to try to, um, you know, match the tasks with where I will be brain-wise. That's really a good um, suggestion to just kind of focus on your tasks as to how much energy they require from you. Right. And because they do all have to be done. Otherwise, you can imagine what your bed would look like if you never folded your laundry. But, <laughs> but it, so it has to be done. But you're, it's a good point. It's, that's a very low energy kind of task. And so where do your, um, your sales calls, where do they fit in in your tasks, tasks as far as energy? Well, I am still working on, on um, I enjoy talking to people. Mm-hmm. And I'm still working on being able to close people. And because I know I can help. I know I love helping. And um, I know I'm in the lesson of like really owning my value and being able to communicate exactly how their life will change. Mm-hmm. And so that it still feels a little, ah. So I, um, I've been trying to put them like earlier in the day after like I do some writing. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, and then like checking in with like what happened, what didn't, you know, and that's, that's still something I'm really um, in the lesson of. Okay. So you just kind of made me have a thought, which I'll kind of toss out there. Um, how does accountability relate to owning your gift, your talents, your skills? How do you think that those relate at all? I, yes, I do. And um what I have found, Michelle, it's a great question. What I have found is most people grew up with some kind of dysfunction or even if like your family was awesome, you got bullied at school or something, right? And so 
when we're kids, we don't have all the tools and knowledge that we do now. And so we learn to discount the pain. Oh, it's not that bad. Oh, everybody got bullied. Oh, you know, we learn to discount things in order to survive, in order to survive our families, in order to survive our school, like whatever, like being human is awesome and it's challenging. And when you're growing up, you don't have all the tools and some of us are still getting the tools now, right? And so unfortunately, this habit of discounting, which served us till we were adults, a lot of times I find people still have the habit of discounting the good. Mm -hmm. It's just a habit. Like, and I know that's something I'm still working on and I see it in my clients constantly. Mm -hmm. you know, oh, I did the New York City Marathon, but I did it in four hours and 40 minutes. I really wanted to do it in four hours and 30 minutes. I wish I'd gone, you, know, you did the marathon. Like, <laughs> right. Yes. Or like, you know, or like so many mothers I know are doing amazing jobs raising their kids and building their career and working out and da 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 and their to-do lists are massive and they are focused on like what they didn't get done or what they're not, you know, it's like, it's, you know, this, there's so much pressure internal and external and I think it's really important to stop and celebrate the wins, celebrate the growth, progress, not perfection, but also to practice celebrating like, I'm, I am a badass. Like I, I'm passed in New York City clubs as a comedian. That took a lot of gumption and courage and rejection and blood and sweat and tears. Like some of the things I've been through as a performer, the rejection, you know, and like um, to own that and to realize that that has given me so much to be able to share with my clients and my students, mm -hmm. you know, and, and there's a part of me that still resists kind of owning that. And that's something, you know, I'm working on and I see it with my clients and students. You know, I, I was not allowed to own my power growing up. It was scary. It was too much. My parents couldn't deal with it. They were doing the best job they could, but I was too much. Mm -hmm. And when I was working in, in the restaurant world, I, was, I had to constantly tone myself down because it was too threatening for people. And so now I find myself like, it's okay to own your power. It's safe to own your power, but it's still something. It's like a new muscle. I'm still, you know, mm -hmm. uh, evolving. Right. And I think that when you have people holding you to, this is your gift and you, you're here to share it. And stop playing small. That's to me. That's part of accountability and owning your gifts. Mm -hmm. Great. I really like that explanation. That was very thorough. Great. Oh, cool. So, <laughs> so what are the top points you have for us about living your most authentic life out loud? <sighs> well, I'm a big fan of The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron, and I'm a big fan, obviously, of my work, um, sharing your story. I have, um, you know, I have Captivate the Crowd um, group training program, and I have been also working and honing on um, a story day, a half VIP story day, mm -hmm. where we come together and first we get out the story that you have about why you don't have what you have. You know, mm -hmm. we all have that story, right? right? My mom was too short, my legs are too short, my calves are too big, whatever, right? So we get that story out. And then we do this really cool exercise so that it gets complete. And then we start working on the story that you want to tell. And we still pick out the nuggets from the old story. 
but we can let go of what's holding you back and like the less so you get to have the lessons and all the gold mm-hmm. and then crafting your new story and and the whole day so it's healing it's getting complete it's creating what's new and practicing the art of storytelling and being able to do character voices and do different things with your voice and your face and your body. We have these amazing instruments and a lot of people are like talking heads. <laughs> yes. So, right. And so to me, that's a really powerful way to own your authenticity. And, um, you know, another thing I've been practicing is being vulnerable in business situations, ah, you know, uh-huh. um, instead of trying to be, um, I kind of, if I'm nervous, I can sort of be a little bit force, forceful and um, come across as like Susie cheerleader. And so I have been, when I go to networking things, trying to be like, here we are again, you know, like trying to bring some humor to it. But just saying like, I still have social anxiety sometimes, mm-hmm. which, you know, I'm an extrovert, but there's a part of me that's an introvert. And a lot of comics and speakers are actually shy. And just like acknowledging that gives people freedom to be like, oh, me too. So that's another way of just like really being like, this is who I am. And I I love people and I'm still scared of people. It doesn't make sense. But so I think, you know. (laughs) So you have this social anxiety and yet you have been on Saturday Night Live. So it's like, how do you do that? (laughs) Well, it's weird. Like a lot of comics um, feel, I feel comfortable on stage. Mm -hmm. Like I feel at home, but then put me at a cocktail party Mm -hmm. and I'd rather go be in the corner having like one heart to heart conversation than five different chit chat things about surface stuff. Uh That's, um, and and I'm learning, I'm reading this book an empaths guide survival guide and I that's very common for empaths because I'm I'm oh, so sensitive so absolutely I, I I do the same thing um I actually had a conversation with Jack Canfield at one point because um I said you know how do you do this all the time he's up on the stage he does his thing whatever and I said you know I'm I'm doing that too I go up there but I'm really an introvert and he said well so am I I'm going sure you are <laughs> and he said what he is is a situational extrovert. Right. Because he also is an empath. I am an empath. You are an empath. Um, we get overwhelmed when there's too much stuff in the room and we're trying to interact with too many people. I've had um, a challenge with a relationship where they wanted to constantly go to parties or, or you know have people over to dinner or whatever. And just all of that noise was just more than I could handle because because you know it's more it's uh, safer and less overwhelming and less of a barrage on your emotions to have that one-on-one with somebody else and yet when you're standing on stage and everybody's paying attention to you and you're sharing your gift and your wisdom and your knowledge it's a completely different kind of energy i think It is. Yes. So it's, yeah, a situational extrovert, I think is probably what you are as well. I love that. that. And you know, I really understand why people have sort of security or handlers Mm -hmm. to help navigate Mm -hmm. because sometimes people, people come up to you or like I was doing comedy on this serenity cruise around 
uh, Manhattan a couple of weeks ago, mm -hmm. and it was so fun. And then we were right by the Statue of Liberty, and people were coming up and coming behind me, and it was so disconcerting. I got so thrown mm -hmm. because I, I feel like I can control the people I can see, and it was just interesting because there was all this energy, and I, I got thrown off for a minute. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, so I'm still learning how to, like, protect myself so I can give the most to the most people. Right. And, but also be able to, um, you know, re-energize. Yeah. So do you ever find yourself sitting with your back toward the wall so you can wash the door? <laughs> yes. Well, that's, that's a feng shui thing too, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So what do you know for sure? Mm. Whew. I believe uh, that anybody who really wants to transform is capable. I believe that love conquers all. I've seen it. I've seen it with my own two eyes. I believe that uh, we are all dying to connect on some level mm -hmm. and that human beings are good. We just forget sometimes when we are tired or cranky or scared. But deep down, almost every human being is good. There's a few, you know, psychopaths or whatever, but like I really believe in that. And, and, and people ma laugh at me because I'm still excitable, but I love that part of me that I am open and, and enthusiastic. And I hope that I will always have that whatever age I make it to. Mm -hmm. um, I believe I've seen the power of love. My friends adopted this dog and she was so shaken and had been brutalized. And this dog has transformed. I blog about this dog, but to me, it's just such a power of example. Like she comes in the yoga studio, hugging and kissing and, and getting so much love and licking everybody's sweat. And she's just like this love muffin. And because she was loved. You know, and I just feel like, what if that was possible for everybody, every creature, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, that's my, and everybody has a story, Michelle, everybody. Like, you know how we, we're, we're you know, we're humans, so we have, we're judging and assessing. Can I, can I trust this person? Stranger danger? I don't know. And I love it when I'm wrong, and I'm wrong about people all the time. You know, we make these flash judgments, impressions. Mm -hmm. And usually people have so much more depth and you never know. Like there's that other quote, like don't judge anybody because everybody's fighting their own bitter fight. Right. One version of that. And like, you never know what's really going on with somebody in their life, internally, with their family, with work, with money. And, um, and so I just, you know, compassion, compassion, compassion for self and then for others. Right. So every day um, I do what's called a heart lock-in twice a day. And that's, uh, it's from heart math. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. But, I've heard of it. Okay. Yeah. So I'm a heart math trainer. And every day I do a heart lock-in twice a day for 15 minutes. And you start by breathing deeply into your belly and then back in through your heart, which is kind of weird. You kind of imagine breathing through your heart. But you breathe in and you breathe out an emotion, a positive emotion. And it's always compassion and love and appreciation, some of those kinds of positive high energy vibrations. Mm. And when, when we do that, we can shift the, um, the 
the mood of a room. We can shift, actually, they're doing what's called global coherence. They're shifting the way people interact with each other in the world just by right. sitting and, and doing that heart lock-in. So when we lead from our heart and when we lead with compassion and love, um, I really like how you were saying that, that it can overcome anything, that it is the most important thing in the world, because it is. And I've noticed that everybody needs the same thing. So everybody needs love and everybody needs acceptance. And that's all we want. Every single person on the planet wants it. So um, can you tell me one of your favorite client success stories? Mm. Oh, gosh, there's so I'm trying to think of like the biggest, the biggest one recently. Um, okay, so I had this woman named Giovanna. And she is Italian, and she grew up in Milan, and she's been in the travel business forever, and she lives in Philadelphia now. And she is like, her father was a colonel or a general in the army. And so, like, not, not heart-centered, very much, I'm running this business, I do tours for Italy, it's great, da-da-da-da-da. And I, you know, here I am, this sort of, touchy-feely, whoa, you know, <laughs> and she, her business coach had said, you've got to start doing videos, and so uh, she hired me, and she'd never done yoga, no breath work, like nothing, no personal development work, mm -hmm. but she was committed, and she was uncomfortable, so we're doing, we're doing the bubble, we're doing all this, I'm teaching her to like, you know, breath, belly breath, and she's doing it, she's doing it, and she was committed, and, and she would, and you know, like a lot of us, when we get overwhelmed, we forget things, so like, we went over and over my Facebook formula, my captivating formula, we went over and over how to do a Facebook Live, like, you know, just, and, sh and she would do it, and we would do interviews, and so after two months of pretty intense working together, she was in Italy doing a tour and she was doing Facebook lives and doing interviews and just, and sharing this beautiful tour with her tribe. And, and my, her business coach, who I also know was like, wow, what you did with her was amazing. And I was like, you know, she did the work, mm -hmm. but it was such a cool thing to see. And, and she has continued to sort of soften in this community we're in. And she had never done any group thing like that before. So I just feel like that's a great example of somebody who's done no vocal training, no artsy anything, no woo-woo. But she was committed. And like and now she's like making, making um, you know, Facebook Lives and Instagram posts and, and doing it. And, you know, I just feel like, wow, I, I'm so proud of, of the work that she did, the work that we did together. It was, it was inspiring. Wonderful. So um, another strange question. Tell me about embodiment and accountability. Ah, oh, I love that. Well, Debbie Ford used to say this, how there's three levels. Like, have you ever heard an idea or a phrase or a quote? And you're like, oh, that's kind of interesting. And it just sort of hits you like intellectually. And then maybe you'll hear like a story or a quote or another time and it hits you deeper, like in your heart. Maybe you tear up a little bit or maybe you feel a little um, 
you know, like tingly or something. Mm-hmm. And then maybe you hear something and it, you get it and you're like gut, like in your bones. And like, and maybe you've heard it a hundred times before, but this time you were ready. Or mm-hmm. maybe something in your life and you really, and Debbie Ford used to call that grokking. Grokking? G-R-O-C-K, grok. Okay. Look it up, it's really cool. But like, that means like you get it, you get it in your bones. Mm-hmm. Like really embodying. Like if I just said, yeah, you know, Michelle, I help people with their voice. And, you know, I'm like, that's not embodiment. Embodiment is like when you're coming from your core and your gut. I'm like, I'm talking about vocal power. I'm talking about speaking from your gut. That this is what I believe in versus, so anyway, so we went, right? Like, to me, that's an example of a vocal embodiment. And mm-hmm. that's one thing I love helping women, um, especially in the workplace, when they get nervous, when they have to, um, you know, present in front of their peers or their superiors, a lot of them will go up high and leave their bodies and they're like mini Mouse uh-huh. and they don't sound credible. And so that's one of my missions is to help people, especially women, like speak from their core. Yes, oh, I, was, <laughs> I was listening to somebody um, yesterday and I, and I just said, holy cow, they sound like Professor Trelawney. So <laughs> it's like, they just kind of, you know, her voice went really high and she got kind of breathy and it's like, is that really your voice? Is that really who you are? So it's really important, I think, to to remember that we are. And I mean, how tall is our head, you know? It's not that tall. And we've got to get in involved the rest of us that's in there as well. And so um, I think with, um, I think that you can hold yourself accountable to using your body as well to being embodied because yes. we aren't just heads and and i think that's really an important point i know that they're starting to teach yoga and mindfulness in some um schools and i'm like yay um but you know like checking in with yourself mm-hmm. you know a lot of people that's foreign to them and i'm the first to forget I'll, you know, um, but you know, like if I've been like hunched over writing or checking email or, you know, I try to like, Oh yeah. I mean, get up, breathe, move. You know, when I speak on college campuses, I say, you know, every hour you're supposed to get up and walk around and do shoulder rolls. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people experience that afternoon crash. And a lot of times it's actually cause we're dehydrated. Uh-huh. You know, if you're, if you're a caffeine drinker, you need to be drinking extra water mm-hmm. and I know for me sometimes at three o'clock four o'clock crash that's when I'm like Starbucks sugar you know but if you can get up and move your body and drink a little water sometimes you can you can move past that like I need sugar now you know uh-huh. or that, that crash yeah so, um, yeah and I think more than ever we need to be make sure that we're connecting with our bodies because everything is so technology 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 but we have this whole other part of us. Yeah, we do. And, and also when we're in our heads, it's uh, Dr. Mark Atkinson says it's like listening with, we're walking around with headphones on and we're listening to radio me because yes. we're not paying attention to the rest of our bodies. So, you know, when, when we're in a room with somebody, when we're connecting with somebody, there's that energetic connection that we make with each other. And when we're in our heads, we're not embodied we cut ourselves off from all of that information. And I know for me, my radio me has a tendency to be pretty darn negative. 
-hmm. What are you doing with this? You screwed this up. You're too old. You're uh, it's just, and that's one reason I love working out. Like I wake up uh, and there's something about sweating and moving my body within 20 minutes. I usually feel my energy going back down here. Oh, oh hello. Mm -hmm. I thaw out, you know, and I, right. I, I don't know all of the science behind it, but that's one reason I just love working out. So grateful to be healthy enough to be able to do it, you know. Wonderful. So what do you wish, what do you know now that you wish you had known earlier? <laughs> oh, um, pay attention to your gut, mm -hmm. which can be really hard if you grew up in, you know, an alcoholic environment, you, you were trained to not pay attention to your gut. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm still in the process of retraining myself. Um, slow down. I wish I had slowed down and asked more questions. Um, there is a part of me that gets like, okay, okay, this is good. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll make it work. I'm a big picture, big vision, which is great. But it's good to like slow down and sit with things and, and, and notice, you know, the universe, if you're listening, the universe is giving you cues about people. <laughs> you know, and so I wish, you know, um, I'm so grateful that I'm learning to listen for those cues now and, um, and accountability. I, this is hilarious, Michelle, several of my sober sisters have said, Elaine, you do not collaborate with anybody else until you talk to us about it. Because I've had a series of people approaching me lately who have misled who they really were. Mm -hmm. Their connections, their, you know, whatever. And I like to see the good in people and yeah, yeah, we'll figure it out. And then I'm like, oh, wow, this person doesn't have the equipment or the know-how or the, you know, connect contacts. Huh, okay. <laughs> right, right. And so um, I'm really, I'm really learning to do that after lots of painful lessons. <laughs> uh-huh. Yes, well, but you're learning from the lessons, so that's really good. So, um, so you've written three books. Uh, you've got Stop the Madness, How to Identify Addiction Warning Signs in Your Friends and What to Do About It, and What Every Student Needs to Know Before They Leave for College, How to Stay Safe and Stay Smart, and Nothing But Net, Creating Your Customer's Wow Experience with Humor. None of those seem to be related to each other. I know. <laughs> well... Jack of all trades, master of, just kidding. Um, so I, you know, I, I was doing comedy and then I met this woman who was a college agent and she said, I really need a female on my roster. And I was like, yeah. And luckily people said, Elaine, you're not ready to compete on the comedy level because you're up against people who've been on the tonight show 10 times, like pro super, super pros. And so, but they were like, didn't you have all those addictions? I was like, yeah. So I came into the college circuit in 2007 as the funny eating disorder girl. Okay. And I came at an approach of emotional eating because everybody was telling the students, work out more, eat less. We all know that, that, that we learned that in health. That wow. has, knowing that knowledge, it's an emotional it, you know, I, I approached it from this whole emotional aspect of why we eat emotionally. And anyway, I was very successful for a while with that and loved going to colleges and just talking about, I don't believe in diets and, and, you know, notice other ways to comfort yourself. 
you know, do you really want that bag of chips or maybe you need to call mom or right. whatever. Mm -hmm. And then my eight, my, I changed agents and this new agent was like, can you talk about drug and alcohol? And I was like, sure. And so I kind of started talking more about alcohol awareness and then depending on what the school wanted. And then my agent was like, well, can you talk about assault? And I was like, because um, that's like, wow, that's a really heavy, dark, huh? But I prayed and I meditated and I thought, you know, if I can save one person from half of the shame and, and trauma that I went through, then I have to tell my, like, I have to. Mm -hmm. And um, it certainly was hard, but um, I know I've saved lives. I've stopped people from cutting. I've stopped suicides. I've gotten people into counseling. I took students to Al-Anon meetings. So I know that sharing my story, you know, was so important. So that was stop the madness was like drug, alcohol, eating stuff. And then stay safe, stay smart was about what really, I wish we were teaching this in high school. And I wish I could get the parents of high school teachers to pay attention mm -hmm. because they really need to be learning this stuff before they ever leave the house to go on campus. Right. Because there's just a lot of things and I get it. It's, I'm not a parent, but I know it's, there's so much work just to get them into the school and get them off to school. A lot of parents are like, I can't even deal with that. But mm -hmm. I'm hoping that the paradigm is going to shift because an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. If we can just right. help, help people realize that assault happens all the time, especially the fall, you know, they call it the red zone. When mm -hmm. students first come all the way to November Thanksgiving, that's when the most assaults happen with the new students, transfer students and freshmen. Mm -hmm. So those were the first two books. And then the other book was Nothing But Net. That was about my hospitality with heart, which is, you know, the art of customer service and really caring about people and, and their experience and how they make them, how to make them feel good, mm -hmm. heard, acknowledged, um, appreciated. And so... It is my philosophy. It's just, you know, changes a little bit with the focus. It's awesome. Um, and tell me how, how does um, speaking your truth, how does that fit in with accountability? Whew. Well, you know, it can, again, I think it's really um, helpful because it's scary to tell your truth. Mm -hmm. It can be really scary. And, you know, and I love I mean, I love the media and sometimes I hate the media, but like, you know, just do it. Go out there, be yourself, do your, you know, like some of these are awesome, awesome memes, mantras, you know, but we also can talk about like, sometimes if you're being yourself and you're marching to the beat of your own drummer, you might get made fun of at school. You might not be invited to things. Like sometimes there is fallout from speaking your truth. And I feel like that that's an important point to talk about mm -hmm. you know um i was hired to come speak about sexual assault prevention and response at a private catholic university in montana and i was speaking the truth and they canceled my other talks wow they hired me to come out but the school was in complete denial about what was really going on in the culture and on the campus uh, right with students, with the athletes, with uh, the athletes were like preying on the innocent freshman Catholic girls and there were athletes from all around the world and, and I was speaking the truth and they canceled, canceled my gig and refused to pay me. Like, and it was, you know, and so that was a big consequence mm -hmm. and it 
it almost made, I really had to do some soul searching because it, it broke my heart. Mm -hmm. But I thought, you know what, I'm not going to let one university um, and one senior, uh, you know, student activity leader um, who was worried about her job, um, I'm not going to let her take my truth. But, you know, there are consequences when you speak your truth. And I think that we, uh, accountability can help you ride that wave. Because mm -hmm. it can be, it can feel rocky. It's whitewater. <laughs> right. So you um, probably then it, when feeling that kind of, um, that kind of a response from them when you were just speaking the truth. So the accountability that you had to accept was to not let that cause you to stop. Right. But to, to keep working and keep trying and keep going on. Yeah. So, um, what would you like to leave as your last comments? I'm so grateful that we've had you and you've just been awesome, but give us one last gem. Oh, thank you. Well, I think, you know, people say, oh, I've always wanted to try speaking or oh, I've always wanted to try comedy. I believe that talent is overrated, outliers, mm -hmm. Malcolm Gladwell, that a lot of things are skill and willingness to be uncomfortable. And again, perfect with accountability. You know, our brains are telling us, oh, you don't need to do that. That's not a good idea. But if, you, if, if it's stirring in your soul, if you want to become a better storyteller, if you want to try an open mic, if you want to audition for TEDx, like honor that. And, and no, it's going to be scary, maybe. And it's going to be uncomfortable. And, and, but it's skill. It's skill that's absolutely attainable if you're willing to practice and do the work and put some structure around it. And if you are so inclined, I would love to, I have a lot of freebies. I have a YouTube, Elaine Speaks. You can, if you email me at Elaine at CaptivateTheCrowd.com, I can give you my captivating formula. I, um, I do videos. I, I love to give a lot of content because I feel like the world needs people more than ever who are doing good in the world, who are helping heal, whether it's whether you're a coach or a therapist or a healer or a storyteller or you're a conscious business person, we need you. Entrepreneurs are the future, you know, right. mm -hmm. and we need you and we need to know your story and to share your heart and your authentic self. So we need you now more than ever. So if you want to know more about what I do, please contact me. And if you don't contact me, you know, sign up for an open mic. Go take an improv class. Um, you know, be bold. You never know what's inside of you that's dying to come out. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Elaine. We've been listening and visiting with Elaine Williams, and she's got some awesome gifts for you. So you should go to Elaine, Elaine at CaptivateTheCrowd.com. Okay, awesome. Okay, thank you so much, Elaine. I really, really appreciate all of your wonderful insights and your brilliance, and it's been a pleasure to have you. Thanks, Michelle. Thank you. Bye. Okay, bye. Thank you for joining us today as we learned happiness hacks, relationship tools, how to refuel our resilience batteries, and perfect our roar. Resilience, optimism, accountability, and resourcefulness. Roar to win. I'm Sandra Yancey, CEO and founder of eWomen Network. We invite you to listen to all of our EWN podcast hosts at ewnpodcastnetwork.com.
This is the EWN Podcast Network.